For those of us that grew up with a rotary telephone glued to the wall and no answering machine, the idea of being connected 24-7 everywhere we go still has a bit of novelty to it. I sometimes still marvel that while I walk my dog or go on errands, I'm basically carrying the world in my pocket. That convenience can lead to complacency, which can compromise our approach to conversations that happen over and through advanced technology. Our question this episode, how can we make sure technology doesn't interfere with real connection? Welcome to episode 74 of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host, Beth Lowe. Thank you so much for being with me today. I've started thinking of quote-unquote virtual reality not as something that's a simulation of reality, but rather reality reality. For the past seven months, most of the world has moved to working, meeting, and celebrating via video platforms such as Zoom and FaceTime, Skype, Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts, WhatsApp, and other options that we have. I've been teaching, facilitating, coaching, and networking via Zoom since 2015, so the shift to using it more regularly wasn't too challenging for me. But for many people, They hadn't even heard of Zoom prior to March 2020, and now they're practically living in it, whether that's for work, school, or socializing. What we might not fully appreciate is that there's a learning curve, and I'm not just talking about the technical learning curve, but an emotional and social one. The ways we connect and communicate through video conferencing are in some aspects the same as when we're in person, as my guest today shares with us. But there are also some fundamental differences we would do well to keep in mind if we want to have productive conversations and meaningful connection in this new version of virtual reality that we found ourselves in. And that's the focus of our episode today. As I did in episode 73, I also conducted this interview on video via Zoom, and I'm posting it on my YouTube channel as well as on the website when it's ready. It's just a little experiment to mix things up a little bit, and you'll find a link to the video, again, once it's ready, along with how to connect with my guest at howcanisaythis.com. Well, let's get to it and meet my guest. Jennifer Britton is passionate about working with teams and organizations around leadership, teamwork, and performance issues, specializing in remote work and virtual teams. She's the author of Effective Virtual Conversations and four other books, and she is also an award-winning program designer in the areas of coaching and mentoring. She has her own podcast. She is a co-host on the Remote Pathways podcast. In addition, Jennifer is a master virtual facilitator and trainer of others in virtual facilitation. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to How Can I Say This? You are my second video guest, so I'm really excited to welcome you to this conversation. Well, Beth, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to our time together today. Well, I want to start with you and your background in talking about virtual meetings and virtual conversations, because you were kind of ahead of the curve. <laughs> a lot of people are just now jumping on that bandwagon in the past, you know, nine months or so, but you, you got into it a few years ago, um, and maybe even further than that. Can you talk just to, for a moment, give us some backstory about what told you that this kind of platform would be important 
Well, again, it's interesting. Someone recently called me the grandmother of remote work. So I'm not that old, but I started out as a young 20-something leader in the international sector in the early 1990s when our remote conversations happened over long-range radio, a.k.a. if you think about the old MASH style radios, if you watch MASH, that old TV show, those old green radios. And really, for many years, I was tasked as a leader supporting teams multinational teams actually in countries where it could take upwards of five days of travel to reach those groups. Very difficult jungle-based environments. And the radio was our lifeline. It would go on in the morning uh, at this crack of dawn. It would come off about eight o'clock at night. And three times a day, myself and my team, we would have sit reps, we'd have situation reports with our teams in the field. So, you know, that was the early 1990s. As the internet progressed in, I was still in that same country. I won't name the country, but it was quite amazing to see how communication then morphed from the facts to, you know, I'd sit at this big, big computer, send my bosses in Canada an email. It would sit on a server in Trinidad overnight and then get released to Toronto the next day. And that was fast, right? So flash forward, here we are. You know, I've seen multiple iterations. I spent 15 years working globally, always in the country office level and uh, traversed the world for many, many years. Sadly, in 2003, I, I sustained some permanent vision loss, actually, in one of my eyes. And while I think technology one day might sort of like bring back full vision, because it's just scar tissue that's there, it really put a pivot to my career path. And so rather than sort of having a lifetime diplomatic post, I opted to come back to Canada and start this business, doing what I love to do, which was really helping connect people to their vision, connect them to the resources to help them move their lives forward. And so pivoted in those days from working with communities and governments to now I still work with communities and governments. I don't have to travel. I could be in five countries in one day instead of physically having to be in three countries in one day with multiple flights in between. So that's a pretty long story, Beth. But, you know, I'm passionate (laughs) about this topic because even before COVID, it's allowed us to traverse the world, connect in, in really important ways, right? Like we learn through diverse thinking and action and insights. And I think certainly always having been working on the fringes of highly complex issues and topics, um, we need that stimulation. We need these environments where we can connect in and learn from others. So I'm looking forward to maybe spinning that for today's conversation. Yeah. Well, you're making me think and all of a sudden appreciate, I guess, as um, I'm not quite a digital native, <laughs> you know, that I have known life with, you know, the card catalog and a wired phone and, you know, all of that kind of good stuff. But when I think about like the maybe the last 48 hours and the next 24 hours, I've had conversations with people, you know, California, Oregon, India, mm-hmm. Turkey, tomorrow morning, Greece, all of that you know, sort of traveling the globe. Um, Malta was another one. All of that within, you know, a few hours. And from the comfort of my attic office or my loft, <laughs> as I love to call it. Yeah. And and so it sounds like, you know, you've, you've been on the edge of that all the time. And maybe part of what I am experiencing now is is due to some of that early work that you did that helped us all move into that space. So thank you. 
Yeah, well, you know, I'm one part of many people who are yeah. who have been on the fringe of like, how do we work effectively? How do we have great conversations? Um, yeah. I think the world now in the last six months, 3 billion people are learning that you can't just talk at people in a Zoom yeah. call, right? People right. want to have a conversation and are hungry for it. Uh, just earlier today, I was with a team and, you know, they said, this has been the most refreshing thing. Like, I totally see a Zoom call differently. And it's because yeah. we spent time being in dialogue, right? Dialogue is comes from the Greek word dios. It's about two. It's about a two-way conversation. And we have the technology. So let's use it in a way where we can really tap into the best of the voices that are around the the metaphorical virtual table. Yeah. So let's go there. Yeah. What can we do to make, um, first, what are the differences, you know, that we need to be keeping in mind? And then what can we do to make our Zoom calls, our virtual calls over whatever platform, be more dialogue than talking at someone? Yeah, well, we, we need to know why we're coming together. What's our shared purpose? Why are we here? And what is the end result? You know, what's the outcome we're looking for? We are, uh, at least in this times of pandemic, as I've been saying, we're in, in days that are just moving from one Zoom call to one Zoom call. And very rarely do we have a lot of time to catch our breaths. So are we even starting a call by just acknowledging, you know, where we are in the span of a day and our time might be different than the other person's time, spending some time to connect because we really do need to have sort of that, what I call in my writing, a triad of trust, safety and connection. Without trust, safety and connection, we're going to be very transactional in our conversation. So, you know, with a little bit of thinking, with a lot of relationship, uh, we can step into the important conversations that need to be had, but we can't rush relationship as well. So, uh, we know from high performance literature, and again, anyone who's read some of my earlier writing around group and team coaching and scaling the coaching conversation, we need both relationships and results, right? That's what helps people thrive. It's what helps teams thrive. It helps us thrive in the virtual space as well. So having a bit of both, I yeah. think is a key. Yeah. The phrase that comes to mind is immediacy. There's an immediacy to being able to just click something and then see somebody. And we miss that transition from being alone to being with someone um, that we might get in real time. What would you suggest to help us make that transition so that we can kind of acknowledge where we're at and be fully present with someone else? Such a good question. Well, again, there are so many different types of conversations that are taking place now in the virtual realm. I think another key is like, what kind of conversation are we having? It's different when you welcome people into a team meeting, right, where part of the almost ritual is to reconnect people. Now, that's appropriate for them. But for you and I, right, we've met once before physically, both speaking at a conference years ago. And I don't get to see you all the time, right? We've only only met each other physically once, but we could sort of say, so, hey, how are you doing? I think that, um, you know, depending on the, also the geographic culture, those little colloquialisms are really important and they're very different, right? For mm -hmm. me in Toronto, the way we greet people is different than when I'm, I'm working out of Northern Ontario. Um, and so we do want to be very aware of like, who is that person that we're speaking with across the Zoom room? And from there, you know, what is needed to really be here and present in the meeting. So a business call is different than a personal call. Think of all mm -hmm. the holidays this year that we've celebrated 
online. And as my son is reminding me, I'm coming up to a big birthday. I don't think it's that big, but he thinks it's big. And, and he said, let's have a Zoom party. It's so apropos for me. It sort of takes the heat off. It's yeah. like, who would I actually invite? Because my world has been so virtual for so many years, right? Like, and this is a great thing. If you've worked globally, you know, it used to be, I'm never going to see you again. But now I can see people with the flick of a Facebook messenger, people who used to take five days of travel to reach. So the immediacy, I really like that term. Like there's an immediacy, but I think there's also a responsibility, right? Like, Mm -hmm. are we making the most of these touch points? Because out of sight shouldn't mean out of mind, but unfortunately it does. Yeah. You know, we've touched a little bit on, you know, what remains the same between, you know, in-person versus virtual. So what are some best practices that apply no matter what? There are things that we might think, oh, that doesn't necessarily apply in the virtual world, but it actually really does. And it's really important when it comes to these conversations. So what comes up for you around um, advice for things that hold true no matter what? always have a plan, right? Like you can't wing it in the virtual Mm -hmm. space, like you can Mm -hmm. wing it in person. So have that plan, know where you're going, co-create together your agenda, and leave a little bit of time, right? Like leave a Mm -hmm. little bit of time and space, breathing space at the front end to get connected, to sort of get present, to figure out what are we doing in our time? And how much time do we have? It's like the little things, right? We want to really surface any assumptions that we may be making. Maybe someone's Mm -hmm. come to the call thinking it's going to be 10 minutes and we've got an hour on our agenda. Maybe we are the fifth or 10th call in a person's day. So, um, you know, also leaving time on the back end of the call to plan, to be clear on what our next steps, to even do what we can in the virtual space sort of interesting, a bit of a side tangent, but like you, you know, I'm a podcaster as well. And we recently did a podcast over at Remote Pathways on virtual co-working. And it's been a real passion point of mine. You know, I I actually, at the end of the day for years, when I signed off with clients and peers, I feel so satiated, even though I've really been in my office alone (laughs) all day. Mm -hmm. I think people Mm -hmm. get it now, right? If you're in a highly socialized environment, it's like, wow, I've been in conversation for like 10 hours. I'm not lonely. And with that, we also want to make sure that we are renewing as well. So be aware of what helps you thrive as well as what space you need in between calls. So back to, is there something you can do real time? Back to co-working, like even in a call, can we send out our notes? Can we like get that next thing on our schedule? Because we have way too much screen time these days. And so thinking about how do you maximize the output of meetings and events? We want to leave with a tangible takeaway. We need to leave with a tangible takeaway a lot of times. Yeah. And that's where that having a relationship, having trust and having purpose all come into play, intersect. I'm curious, you just said something very important. We're all sitting in front of the screen a lot. (laughs) And um, I even, I was in a class this morning where we're all on video and usually there's a coaching demonstration. In this case, I was the coach. And I asked if we could turn off our videos because I felt like the video was draining in some way. And I I think I'm going to try practicing that a little bit more. And so I'm curious for you, like, I think our default these days is video. 
Mm-hmm. When we think about having important conversations with someone virtually, or even just building rela- I mean, building relationship is an important conversation. Um, but you know, the whole spectrum of, Hey, we're just casually catching up and checking in to, we've got something of consequence to talk about. Is there ever a time when it's like, you have to challenge the default of we're on video, we're on this, all of that, and, and kind of adjust to make the best experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think every time we want to ask what's the best platform for the type of conversation we're having, right? Uh, A coaching conversation can be different than um, a strategic planning session, right? I'm thinking back to some of the conversations I had earlier today with teams. And, you know, the feedback was, we really loved seeing not only each other, but we loved seeing the screen. We actually loved the fact that you brought great visuals and you could give us some like visual anchor points, That's where technology works well, where it might not be working well is by the end of the day and you've now had all this screen time and you're in a one-on-one coaching conversation where it's not about necessarily seeing, quote unquote, but it's about being heard. And sometimes that's where, at least in a coaching one-on-one environment, like I I think a lot of our clients actually appreciate sometimes the anonymity of just being a voice on the other end of the phone. So there's actually some interesting research that's ongoing right now. There's been this explosion of great research (laughs) around the virtual space. We've debunked a lot of myths and there's some that are, you know, like this whole notion of like zoom fatigue, like there are, there are brain-based impacts on having so much digital input all day long. So whether we choose to go offline with our phone calls, whether we choose to go offline, even with our calendaring, right? Like each one of us will have a satiation point. Ultimately, you know, we're both here talking about conversation. I think we want to ask what's going to be the most important conversational platform Mm -hmm. for us as a, whether it's a twosome, whether it's a team, whomever it is, we need to know what's the best. And sometimes it is great to see everyone on video. Yeah. And there's even, you know, possibilities of saying, let's start out on video, say hi, and then turn it off. Yes. You know, and bring that it back sort of on thing. before we leave again. Right? Exactly. Let's reconnect visually. You know, what I'm taking away from what you're saying and what I was reminded of this morning is like, ask for what you want. Don't assume like it's Zoom, so it has to be video. If you don't want to be on video, say so and co-create, you know, with someone how you want to be on that platform. But I appreciate that reminder, like, you know, check in and say, what's going to be the best way to have this conversation? And it might not be the way that our default has been, which is I'll send you a Zoom link. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, if we look at the folks that we work with, right, there are so many different digital channels. There are so Mm -hmm. many different ways we all, even pre-pandemic, wanted to be communicated with. So let's go back to the basics once again. Mm -hmm. Now that everyone is mastered, I think, you know, not everyone, but many people have mastered video conferencing in one way. Like, Mm -hmm. let's go back to the basics of conversation. What's important? How do we bring everyone's voice into the room? How do we ensure that everyone's being heard? And that we're using channels that are appropriate for the type of conversation, because I think there are great, great opportunities with video that we, you know, we can do things today that we couldn't do even five years ago, 10 years ago. And I've been an early adopter of technology. If I could have saved all those years of flying and being in the sky, right? It's like, 
it's amazing to just think who and how you can bring people together to, again, solve some of the most important challenges that the world is facing right now. That's, that's really important that we, we leverage technology. Absolutely. Well, one final question, because we always love to hear about what are we doing wrong <laughs> that we can fix? But when you think about, you know, the habits that you see people do when it comes to virtual spaces, what do we do that undermines perhaps our ability to connect and be in relationship? And then what's the antidote to that behavior? I love the fact, Beth, that you've just looked right at me, right? In that question. So it's the (laughs) eye contact, right? Like, are we having eye contact? Are we truly being present? Or are we listening to the email that's streaming in, as you might hear from my device? There are so many distractions. And so how do we really focus in on the conversation that's needed and know how to self-manage when there is email going off, when there are, you know, family members in the next room knocking on their, perhaps their bed because they're done for the day. So we really want to be thinking about how do we truly be present in, in the conversational space? I think beyond that, though, is upskill, right? We have one channel a lot of times now that we can be in conversation with. So is it time to upskill in terms of facilitation? Is it time to upskill in terms of your presentation? There's a whole realm of like what great presentations and conversations can look like. We're not always seeing it modeled. So maybe now is the time to do things a little bit differently and ask, you know, in my environment, what do we want to create? What is it? Check it out. There's a lot of great practice. There's a lot of poor practice, but we have control over. We all have the same tool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a great note to end on. <laughs> An optimistic one. <laughs> we need to have balance. And, and I think, again, Zoom is a great balancing field. You can move from one conversation and a very like high positive emotional field to a uh, next hour, like a conversation which needs to be had, which is anything but positive. So there's range. That's what keeps life beautiful and what it is. Yeah. Only thing constant is change. So thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed the conversation and um, I'm grateful for your generous sharing. Um, I hope everyone feels empowered to approach these kinds of conversations on the virtual platform with mindfulness and purpose. Thank you for having me. And I hope that your listeners have enjoyed today's conversation. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. I really enjoyed that conversation and I hope you found value in it as well. I highly recommend that you check out Jennifer's website, books, and podcast. More information about all of that is on the website at howcanisaythis.com. Your call to action is related to a memory that came up for me as Jennifer and I chatted. Several years ago, I was scheduled to speak at an early morning event. The venue was far enough away from my house that I stayed the night in the hotel where the event took place. When I got up that morning, I did what I usually do. I get ready in silence. No TV or radio, and of course, since I was alone, no chit-chat with anyone else. On my journey from my room to the elevator that would take me to the conference room, I didn't encounter any other person. 
So when the elevator doors opened to a room full of bright lights and the loud chatter of very awake, very caffeinated people, I felt a major jolt to my system. If I remember right, I went into the room, I set my stuff down, and then immediately retreated to the restroom. <laughs> it was like I had been in an isolation booth that suddenly cracked open in the middle of a loud, boisterous festival. And I realized, I don't remember if I realized in the moment or on later reflection, how important transition time is between being alone and being with others. I realized I couldn't go from zero to 60 in 10 seconds flat. Now I know I need to be intentional about that in-between time to do something to ease my way into the energy of a different space. And that is true for video calls as well. We're at home in our safe, comfortable space, and there's no transition. There's no driving or walk or stop at the coffee shop in between that personal space and being with someone on the screen. It can be even more jarring than what I experienced because that someone you're talking to is now in your personal space and you are in theirs and there's very little to no buffer. If we're going to make meaningful connections with people, connections that energize us, and if we want to bring our best selves to the virtual conversations that we're having all day, it's important to honor that need to shift gears in a way that supports you. The next time you're about to get on a call, and really it doesn't matter if it's a friend and you're just catching up, or it's a work meeting or a webinar where you will be off camera, before that call, Take a few moments to center yourself and release whatever you were doing before that so that you can bring your full attention to the call. If you've been alone or quiet, maybe watch a short video that you enjoy or check in with your partner, kids, or roommate just to say hi. That helps to just introduce some different voices and different energy kind of slowly into your consciousness. Now, if you've been in a more active environment, Kind of do the opposite. Take time to slow down and breathe. Close your eyes and settle into a slower pace. The invitation is that wherever you're coming from and wherever you're going to, give yourself space to make that shift, not just physically, but also emotionally and socially. You'll feel less disoriented, more focused, and more present when you get onto that call. Try it out not only to benefit your conversations, but also your overall sense of well-being. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll share it with any friends, family, or colleagues that you think might find it interesting. I also appreciate your reviews and ratings on whatever platform you find this podcast. And please subscribe and come back for future episodes. Be part of this movement to bring more courageous communication into the world. This is Beth Bilo, and you have been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Nessing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you to Jennifer Britton for the fun and informative conversation, and thank you for taking time to join me today. And I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously.